Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. Showtime. Showtime. will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Log Talk Radio.
Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Message of Christ Church, where the senior pastor is Pastor Sylvia Staples. You are tuned in to our mega prayer hour, which is held on our broadcast, and the following broadcast number is area code 641-715-3670. Again, the broadcast number is area code 641 715 we also welcome you and invite you to join us um, every Monday through Friday. This conference is being recorded. Central Standard Time. Every Monday, we welcome you and invite you to join us on this broadcast for Miracle Monday. And every Sunday at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, we invite you to join us for um, our morning Bible study. We want to... Um, give you our contact information. Um, you can call us on our administrative line um, for anything pertaining to the ministry. And we also um, accept prayer requests. We just will not personally return a call. We will pass it on to the prayer team. We will keep it lifted. A number is 773-609-2071. Again, that number is 773 um, you can also reach us by way of the internet. Um, our email address is messagesofchrist at yahoo.com, and our website is messagesofchrist.net. There you will find um, events or things pertaining to the ministry, as well as our prayer wall. We encourage you to still make your requests on the prayer wall, as well as any um testimonies or praise reports. Um, there you also will find if you have not yet purchased a prayer shawl for you or your loved one. <clears throat> we encourage you to do so as well. You can also reach out to us by way of U.S. mail. That is Message of Christ Church, P.O. Box 390-762. Um, we're located in Chicago, Illinois. The zip code is 60639. Again, by U.S. mail, it's P.O. Box, Message of Christ Church, at P.O. Box 390762. And the zip code is 60639. You can also reach out to us by way of social media. Um, if you're on Facebook or if you have not yet got on Facebook, you can reach out to uh, Pastor Sylvia Staples at Sylvia Staples. Um, you can request her to be your friend at Sylvia Staples on Facebook. And also you can reach out or keep in um, tune with the ministry at her website, also sylviastaplesministry.com. Um, we encourage you to continue to keep the ministry lifted in prayer. Um, and we also have um, our Thursday Thursday um, leadership, if you are interested in joining the uh, Message of Christ leadership training, that's on Thursday. Um, also, it's at 7 p.m. You also can join the broadcast number as well. Um, we um, encourage you to continue to, um, if at any time, you want the ministry to come to your city or state of a loved one, um, you can reach out to the ministry for the prayer tour. 
we encourage you to invite us at the Message of Christ Church to your city or city nearby you. Um, please keep the ministry lifted for any upcoming fellowships, fellowships um, that that's held in uh, August, August the 17th, where Pastor Sylvia Staples will be speaking. Um, in the Bible Revival, she'll be speaking August the 17th at 10 a.m. We ask that you keep her lifted in prayer as well as the ministry. At this time, um, this is our Power in a Word Week. So I am your host, um, Sister Melinda Brooks. And as we go into a short prayer, before we receive the word, we just want to come into agreement that the word has been prepared. We want to thank God for this day because this is his daily bread. We want to thank God for our portion of life, that we are settled in our souls with Jesus and what he has for us. We want to thank God as we have all power over the enemy, Father. We want to thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, which is our provider. Lord, we want to renounce any spirit of keeping of any covenantness, Father God, or any idleness, Father God. We just want to thank you, Father, as we decree good stewardship, Father God, over our life right now today, Father. We just thank you, Father God. We renounce any strongholds, Father God. We come against any backbiting spirits or backlash, Father God. We come against any gossiping spirits, Father. We just thank you right now today, Father God. Yes, Lord, for the race. It has not been given to the swift, Father God, but we thank you, Father God, that we're able to stand in the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that you have given us, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the double hedge of protection, Father God, upon this line, Father God, upon our prayers, Father, upon the word that you have given us, Father God, because you have created us, Father God, and you have created the heaven and the earth, Father. So as your creation, Father, we come to you right now today to stand in agreement, Father God, for what you have given us, Father God. We just thank you with all expectation, for we know that we only please you by our faith, Father God. So we thank you, Father, for the faith. Yes, Lord, that we have, Father, to move mountains for the faith, as small as a mustard seed, Father God, that we're able to stand and hold fast, Father God, to your promises, Father, for you say with faith and patience that we will inherit your promises. In Jesus' mighty name, we just thank you, Father God, and we lift you up right now, Father God. Yes, Lord, before the eyes of men, thank you, Jesus. Let the meditation of our heart and the words out of our mouth be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So as we go into the word today, just want to share a word from um, our ministry. Um, well, actually, the ministry that I attend. And um, it basically just speaks from the time of being unwilling to being willing. And in that time, there was a time that God said, be patient, be willing. But there was also a time where before we were saved from those things that we were unwilling to do, that he actually gave us a word, and we had to hold on to those words until we were willing to move in those things that the Father placed before us. So as we get a reference, we're going to go into Second Corinthians, 
5 and 14. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. And it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we judge, we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we all did, and that if he died for all, that that which lives shall not, not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And as I continue a little bit further through 16, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we know know we him no more. So as it speaks um, in the King James Bible, it gives a message about being reconciled to God. And in this passage, um, everything that Paul and his companions did was to honor God. Not only did the fear of God motivate them, but Christ's love controlled their actions. And the love of Christ was constraining them to, to certain courses of action. At this time, they knew that Jesus, out of his great love, had given up his life for their sake. He did not act out of his own self-interest, neither selfishly holding on to the glory of heaven that he already possessed. Um, instead, Jesus was willing, and he died for all. Because Christ died for us all, we also are dead to our lives. And like Paul, we should no longer live to please ourselves. We are to spend our lives pleasing Christ. As we go into Philippians 2 and 6, this is just just some reference scripture. Philippians 2 and 6 actually gives us a, a greater understanding as well. It's also out of the King James Bible, and it reads, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So as that scripture speaks, it basically is speaking about the joy in serving God and being humble like Christ. Um, as I say, as we I mentioned earlier, from us being unsaved to being saved or from being unwilling to being willing to live a life for Christ. Um So in those two reference scriptures, uh, there was a way that God given us when he sent his son to die for Christ. Only mankind have a choice out of all God's creation to live or to choose to live the life that God has given them. Everything else is living. Everything else is um, doing exactly what God spoke it to do um, as far as the heaven and the earth. So when God say let there be man and let there be woman, he had given us already a predestined life. He had given us already a way to live through Christ. Um, actually, in the garden, in the start of uh, the garden where Adam was, 
he had already created a way. He created a way for man, and he had gave man a help me. But in that garden was supposed to be everything pertaining to life and godliness. That was the being fruitful. That was the being multiplied. That was the replenishing. That was the subduing. That was the, the dominion that he gave to men. But because sin came in and the um, unwillingness to be obedient in that time, um, it took us back into a place or a position where we could not be we could not subdue all things that God created. It took us to a place where God took away the dominion. But through Christ, he gave us the avenue or he gave us the power to have dominion on earth as it is in heaven, to have all power over what came into the garden to make man unwilling to be obedient. He gave us back the power of dominion through Christ Jesus. So as we continue to um, strive for the perfection, strive for the excellence of spirit through Christ, as we continue to obey, we inherit the promises. But there's this period of time where God wants to develop us, where God wants to mature us, where God wants to add on to us those things. He's not going to give us more than we can bear. That's even in the blessing. He's not going to give us um not going to give us anything if we're not actually operating or if we're not actually moving in the kingdom with what he's gifted us us with. He's not going to reveal to us what that is. In the natural, there are things that um, or characteristics or personalities or things that we hold of value that before we were saved, we were actually operating in, but they were not to the glory of God. And I can just attest some things in my life that I was actually operating in, but I didn't know that it was like a gift that God had given. So because I didn't know, I moved to the conformation of the world. I had conformed to the world with the thing that God had given me because, as I mentioned before, I I didn't grow up and to be trained as a child in the way that I should go. I had to literally choose according to the life that was actually before me. I didn't have the guidance to know that this was God or this was the enemy or, you know, I didn't have the the know-how of being able to choose the wisdom, the knowledge, and understanding for my life. So as I grew up, um, one thing that I always did was I always spoke. I always debated. I always, you know, had a word for someone whether it was in defense, whether it was open, or whether, um, you know, I was just purely just talking. But I always brought to the group of people that I was around, I always brought the wisdom of, of just articulating everything from where we were. And where we were in our life, um, I grew up in a project, so we had decisions that we had to make in the spare of the moment, even for our safety. So even in those things, um, as the safety was, you know, for the entire group that I hung with, it was still those things that God was still speaking. Like he would still speak, but the voice was so shaky.
shallow. I didn't know what it was. It was like most people say something told me. So even when something was telling me, I was yet unwilling. I wasn't willing to listen to that voice. So sometimes I put myself or I put myself and others in a situation where there was tribulation or there were consequences that caused us all to be uh, put in harm's way or a harm danger just because of what it is I thought was defending me. So all to say is um, our gifts are unrepentant. So when we move in our own way, when we move in that unwilling way, that just becomes the sin. That becomes the thing that God says not to do. That becomes the thing that um, restrains us or uh, regulates us to move according to the master. Like what you obey is your master. At that time before I knew God or before we were unwilling or before we were saved, our master was the master of this world, the prince of the air. So everything that was present, everything that was uh, actually revealed or revealed itself in whatever shape, form, or fashion, if we didn't have the discernment or if we didn't have the the discernment to choose what was good and evil, we automatically chose what was evil. It wasn't maliciously. It wasn't that um, those were our intentions. But, again, we didn't have or I didn't have or those for those that didn't have the training up in the church or the growing up in the church or, you know, the guidance or those that didn't have what God actually gave through Christ to be explained to them or to be given to them in a way where they can move in wisdom. That was the unwillingness. But um, as it speaks in being humble like Christ, Christ had characteristics, and there were key characteristics that Christ had as found in um, Philippians 2. And he, it, it says that he has always existed with God. It says that he is equal to God because he is God. And it gives um, reference scriptures that we will go into, which is John 1 and Um, unwilling, from coming unwilling to willing, um, there's actually seven characteristics that we should be aware of um, that draws us to be this willing vessel. Um, like I said, the first one is that Christ was always, he always existed with God. He is equal to God because of he is God. Though he is God, he became man in order to fulfill God's plan of salvation for all people. He did not just pretend to have a man's body. He actually became a man to identify with man's sin. He voluntarily laid aside his divine rights and privileged out of love for his father. That's number five. Number six is he died on the cross for our sins so we wouldn't have to face eternal death. And number seven is God glorified him because of his obedience. That's the eight. So as we talk about, and I give uh, reference to uh, being humble like Christ, 
these are just the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And as the message is unwilling to unwilling, just understanding how we now are willing to live a life for God and what that looks like. Number eight is God raised him for his original position at the Father's right hand where he will reign forever as our Lord and Judge. So in this humbleness, Jesus was willing to give up his rights in order to obey God and serve people. And like Christ, we must also serve out of the love of God and for others and not out of guilt and fear. Um, Oftentimes people, believers, um, have this tendency to say, as I think I prayed about what is for us or what God has for us, it is for us. Um, And understanding that statement, what God has for each individual is for you, but it's not for you to actually covet yourself. It's not for you to have this selfish salvation. It's not for you to say, oh, I got this, or I'm moving this way as a believer, and you still over there. It's not to be prideful of what it is that God has actually lifted you up in or actually brought you before men. It's actually a gift. And when God adds on to us, he adds on to us for the sake of kingdom building. He adds on to us for the sake of um, having a temple mind. He has on to us for the sake of the multitude. So in this Christ-likeness, in this willingness, we have to know our rights. We have to know our rights in the kingdom, and we also have to know our rights in the world. Because we're in this world and not of it, we still have to know what to respond to. So out of everything that's going on in the world, everything that... um the violence from the violence to uh, the racism from the politics from the education from the system of this world just being revealed right before the president candidate or the president um, election. We have to pay attention to what God has already spoke to this. So it raises up in a form of make a decision. While we as believers should be raising up as well because they need to have a decision. The people in the world need to have a decision of what it is is evil and what it is is good. Not to say that you can discern what president elections, but politics is not how the kingdom operates. We operate on the daily bread. We operate on the, the fear of the Lord. We operate because God said, let there be. So not necessarily can man or the system of this world make us fruitful in the kingdom. It can't multiply us. It can't replenish us, not according to God's will. It can, because that's the trick of the enemy, because he'll try to give you something that is the blessing, but at the same time, it's not what God preordained and predestined for our life. So even in saying that, um, God wants us to understand what it is that we're responding to. He wants us to not change what it is that he's already spoken before the foundation of the earth just because these things are arising in this time. And as these things are arising, he says the only success 
everything that's happening is when preparation meets opportunity. So out of all this darkness, out of all this growth darkness, God is still saying there's a preparation and a place and time where all these things can still be responded to but according to what he has prepared. So if God is continuing to prepare the church, if God is continuing to speak to us on one accord, on an accord that he has already spoken through Christ, he's continuing to speak to us as believers that we should have a different attitude, that we should be the ones who enable to lay our life down, lay aside our rights to serve others so that we can understand how to give life what life needs to be given so we can be that example of Christ. Um, If we are still these willing individuals or willing vessels, if we say we follow Christ, we must also say that we want to live as Christ did. We should also develop his attitude of humility as we serve. Even we were, even when we are not likely to get recognition for our efforts, God says that he will give us double for, for our confusion and shame. And he said he will not forget our labor of love. And this was done in secret. It's not like we live a life where we have to always get recognized or we get accolades for what it is that we did because that's not the life or the intention of our heart. Once we give, we give out of bringing forth those people to God. We do it for the glory of God. So in Christ, it's like until we come out of that selfish salvation, until we walk willingly in his will where we know that our life do not belong to us, where we know that everything that God brought us out of, where we know where God took us from this unwilling place, where we know where God brought us out of darkness into his light, and now we're moving and now we're ordered by our steps, and now we're seeking the Father and acknowledging him first while we seek the kingdom first, that's the life we have to turn around and give back to those who are white for harvest. Um, the willingness is more of understanding obedience because there are things that we want to have concern for, but as he said, he will perfect those things that concerns us. But in that obedience, it's like when we turn, we turn back towards our family. We turn um, not from, we turn not just from, um, when I say turn, I mean turn from being able to identify who you have become. Because now you have to be able to give that. Now we have to be able to distribute that. Now we have to be that willing vessel to go back into the darkness. You know, at one point in time, God secluded us. He drew the line. You know, he 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 covered us in his hand. It's like the butterfly effect. He had us in this cocoon. But there's also a time of development where you blossom. There's also a time where the willingness has to turn into more than um, the last season. And what you did last season is not going to work for this season. And the ceiling becomes your floor. And it's just this development where God say, in a time. He say, in a time as this when we ought to be teaching. 90 seconds. So in that same willingness and in that same comfort that we have in Christ, it's like we have to shine 
that he gave up. You have to give the work that he gave up in our world, in the way that is actually purpose to be the way it is. But it should be purpose where the people of this world can understand. 60 seconds. It's like they should be able to see hope even you know, be pressed on every way or they should be able to go through whatever it is that this world may try to attack them with and still have a way out. They should still be able to see the light. They should be able to see the city that sits on top of the hill. They should be able to see um, the light at the end of the tunnel, as they would say. They should be able to see that they um, back is not always against the wall or another thing that... um. Some believers say, too, that if it's not one thing, then it's not another. But God said he gave us affliction. He put affliction upon us because it's not. Ten seconds. But in that affliction, he said he'll deliver us out of all affliction. In our holiness, we have to go through. In our holiness, he's called us to be trailblazers. In our holiness, he's called us to be ambassadors. In our willingness, he's called us to be patriots of our families. So even in that saying, as God speaks on how to be like Christ, there's a life that God has already given us. But that life is to be walked out. That life is to be demonstrated. People don't really know what it is not to fear. The situation that um I was in recently, not to fear man, not to fear the system, but there is a reverential fear that you must, grow into as far as knowing that if God spoke it, God is going to do it. So that means that we have to have this expectation. And when our expectation or our faith don't line up with what God spoke, that's fear. Because now we're not believing for what it is. And fear has crept in for us to bring in doubt or for us to be double-minded or for us to compromise. So when we understand that... um. There is this system that's raising up. There is this system that is being exposed. But God said he he will expose the enemy. He'll expose the enemy, but at the same time, he said he gave us dominion. He gave us all power over the enemy. He said his perfect love will cast out all fear. So what we're looking at that's what's raising up is a lack of love. It's a lack of order. It's a lack of disobedience, but that's the system of the world. But when we focus and pay more attention on what God is building, his kingdom, the enemy, <laughs> he's been deceived and, and compromised and a fool for a long time. Like, the, like I've heard before, he's ancient. He's an ancient fool. And they say sometimes they say it's okay to be a fool. It's not okay to be a fool. But then they say, when grandma says, there's going to be a damn fool. It's not okay to be a fool at all. Because a fool don't even understand the wisdom. A fool can't understand what the knowledge is. A fool can't actually discern what is good for evil. But at one point, the fool thought that he can fool what was sent. He can fool God. That fool, the enemy. We've all been fooled before. In our unwillingness, that was a life of foolishness. That was a life of being the greatest, what is, chief among sinners, 
that was a life where we weren't willing to do anything other than what it is that we wanted to do. And then sometimes we can catch ourselves as believers doing the same thing. It's just that we understand how to repent. We understand how to get back into God's will. We understand that our willingness is what protects us and covers us. But when the enemy thought he can trick the trick trick Christ and tell him he'll give him all the kingdom of the world, he bow down and serve him, not knowing that Christ was the kingdom, was all the kingdom. But that's how some unbelief see it. They'll take what it is that is given to them as life if they don't have the other option, if they don't have the um the visual or the the understanding, if they don't have the the life that God is telling them to choose from, if they're not seeing their life, then there's nothing they can choose. They're gonna accept. In your unwillingness you just accept because it is what it is you think you look like or it looks like. It is what you think that supposed to multiply you or supposed to bless you, but in the end it's just what the only choice that you think you have. But in that choosing, you also at some point in time have to mature as you can, as we continue to grow. As we continue to grow and mature as adults, because I didn't get saved till I was like 28. So it was certain things it was like, I know this can't be my life. Like, it was certain things where my back was against the wall. And actually, I jumped over the cliff. It was like I almost jumped. No. At that time of my life when I got saved, I literally jumped over the cliff because I just knew, not literally the cliff, but everything that I was battling with, everything from the time of my childhood that I was dealing with, everything that I had not spoke to nobody about, everything that I was just holding in my heart. My heart was so heavy. Heart 28. At that time, I think I had, I didn't, yeah, at that year, I had four children, but I had already lost. They were all out of wedlock. So it's just that thing where you look at your life and you look back, and it's not like that. um, It was just the unwillingness. It was the unwillingness. It was the, the lack of love. It was the lack of order in my life. That caused me to defend my life. So whatever I wanted, I wanted. Whatever it is that I chose to do, I did it. And when you look at your life now after you have become saved or after you've been saved from all those things that try to tear you away from your purpose, try to tear you away from true identity, try to tear you away from how to be multiplied, how to have peace, how to be loved, how to love. All those things that made you unwilling, and now turns. You turn from all those things, and you begin to be willing towards what it is that Christ, or what it is the life that Christ has given you. So even in that unwilling and coming from unwilling to willing, or being saved and not being saved and being saved, as we go through the two scriptures, let's see. It was Colossians one fifteen through nine. We can go to the there. And I'm reading out of <clears throat> reading out of the King James Bible. And it's Colossians one fifteen 
15 through 19. And it reads, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it is pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And that's what it speaks. It speaks the person and the work of Christ. It also speaks that in this particular passage, this is Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers. Uh, and in this time, uh, as the Colossians, they believe, let's see, they believe that uh, they were faithful brethren in Christ. They actually believed in God in this time. They, um, along with the Philippians, and Ephesians and Philemon. Um, Paul wrote in this time when he was even incriminated, it's, it's the, the life of Rome. Says the prison was actually a house where Paul was kept under God at all times. And in this time when he spoke, he spoke of these particular people. It was a city called the Colossus. And it was like 100 miles in between pieces or whatever. And it was a. It had a large Jewish population, but at the same time, these were the ones in that time that actually believed. They actually had um, the hearsay that they were um, being threatened as the church. So in this time with the Colossians, they went through uh, this this willing process this unwilling to willing process, they had to know more about what it was about God. I'm not that um, Bible, was it Bible, not Bible savvy, but as far as the stories, I'm just basically reading out of the uh, study Bible. But just to understand just the point of just understanding the work of Christ and them being able to have an example as Paul, him speaking from being in prison, him speaking from a place where the world tries to captivate and capture you, and you still have the liberty to speak freedom. You still, with the life that Paul lived, he still had the the wisdom to actually understand and speak what God was saying and tell the people what God was saying so that they, they can be believers. So they can understand and see. He said, God says, I tell you these things before they happen. So when they happen, you will know that he spoke them. And as we continue to live that life, it's like um, the Colossians, they were taught how to pray. They were taught how to be thankful for their faith. They were taught how to ask God for help. 
It was taught how to ask God to give them spiritual wisdom and understanding, how to ask God to help them live in honor, how to ask God how to give them more knowledge of himself, even asking God how to give strength or endurance and patience, and also asking God to fill them with joy and thankfulness. Like how many people in in our life could be touched if we prayed this way? And that's just a passage or that's just an uh, example it gives in Colossians. It's like we still have to walk. We, we have to be mindful of our life because someone's always watching, for one, and we know God, he's God of all. He's always watching. But also the enemy is always at bay because the enemy don't attack necessarily the people. He don't attack our physical. He, he, he attacks it, but that's not his purpose. His purpose is to attack the anointed. His purpose is to attack the willingness. His purpose is to attack the identity of power, of true power, true, true unity. That's his purpose. He want to keep us divided. He want to keep us um, double-minded. He want to keep us compromising. He want to keep us unwilling. He want to keep us in a place where we don't know actually what it is or why we're here. What's the purpose? He want to keep us in that position. But when we become willing, the willing vessel, the army of love, the true army of Christ has to extend this arm out has to go into the hedges and the highways. We have to live a life that is truly for Christ. It's like we live for Christ, and could some say, would you die for Christ? I can say I'll die for Christ because at this point I decrease so that I can increase more in God. And if God sent me to a place and I'm developed in that way where I can physically say, for God I live, for God I die, I say that also. I decree and I attest to a life that God has given me because if God said it, then shall it be. And that takes us to John 1 and 1. But at the same time, that's how we got to live our reverence to God. And if we live by faith, you know, if we die in faith, God, it's amazing what God will show you. It's amazing what God will talk to you about. It's amazing what God will tell you. He say, if I told you everything. You would that. So what we know, we know in part. But we know what God gives us, it gives us a peace. It gives us a rest in him. It gives us joy. Clarity brings joy. So in our willingness, in our willingness to just live a life of Christ, in our willingness to live a life that brought all men to God, it's peace to say that. There's no fear in that. There's no fear of physically dying. If you're outside of the will of God, then that's a different story. That's a different perception on life and all. But when God gave us life, he gave us eternal life. So when we physically leave, hopefully we ran the, we fought a good fight. We ran the course. Hopefully we finished the race. And we can say, yeah, he can say, faith well done, well done, faithful service. But that's the life we have to actually be willing to live. Because as we know, our life's not our own. Another thing, 
if those things that concern us while we walk this walk of faith, sometimes God will show us some things just to observe and be prayerful and watchful for. It can be the closest thing, but he say, don't touch it, don't touch it, because you can make matters worse. He say, just keep watching and keep watching and observing, keep being patient. And it's just the things that touch me dearly. If we walk by faith, thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. By hearing the word of God, if you have not heard a word from God, to actually condone yourself or actually get involved with something, it's sin if you go forth before God. You don't want to go before God. You don't want to have that selfish, oh, I, I heard. Yeah, all of us hear from God. God wants us to understand what he's telling us and how and why and when. A lot of believers hear from God, but a lot of believers will say, oh, I know God said it. But yes, he did say it, but why did he say it? Why did he say it to you right now? Why is it even just a topic of conversation right now? Because if he wants us to get involved, you know what he'll do? He'll give us a word. And we'll just have to walk it out. And we'll have to be obedient and patiently wait till he give us a word. For our family, it's a lot we see because that's part of our family. That's, that's basically where we come from. It's a lot of things that we have to turn around and trailblaze and walk people through and go in and get the ones that's right for harvest or the ones that's lost. But at the same time, there's a time that God is going to send forth his word. Say, how can you be sent? How can a preacher be sent if he don't have, um, I'm not sure how it goes, but how can a preacher preach if he hasn't been sent? And it also references not having a pastor. But it's the same. It's the same in all the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles, the fivefold ministry. All of those is the way that God gave for us to live, to draw men unto him. Now, how we operate in them, in unity and in love, what that looks like, that's the system of the kingdom. That's how we draw all men to him. We really walk many members, one body, fitly joined together because I belong over here and you belong over there. We still the church. You may be the I, maybe the it. We still the church. We still the true church. And once, until we come together to be unified as that body in this earth, What are the people choosing from? They have not that choice to choose from the willingness of life or to become willing, then they're going to stay in this unwilling position because they have no prophecy. They have no teaching. They have no pastors in the world. In the world, they don't have that. They just have this system, these different systems that kind of control their life. In the world, they blind. They blind what a pastor is. Like I say, they fool. Well, unwillingness makes you foolish. You can't even see when good comes. You can't even see what a pastor's teaching. You can't even see a teacher. You can't even hear a uh, evangelist. You can't hear prophecy. You can't, you can't see. You can't walk. Like it cripples you. Unwillingness cripples you. So as we go forward and we keep speaking of unwillingness, unwillingness, 
unwilling to from becoming unwilling to becoming willing. First John one one I can attest is just the power in hearing it again through this message or in this time. And as I say I'm reading out of the King James Bible. It's like you can read a scripture over and over again, but until you get the understanding, you get the wisdom and knowledge that fills your heart to make you want to do something different, to make you just want to uh, respond to what matters, the heart of what matters, to make you just actually, man, it's power. It's powerful to be able to walk these words out. These words are not just, words. It's our life. It's a Bible map, as they say. It's, it's our GPS. It's, it's the way we live. It's our character. God wanted us to see how he dealt with people. God wanted us to see how people rejected him or they disobeyed him and those things that happened. God wanted us to see how man just basically didn't have or didn't choose to live a life that he provided. So in first John and John, first John one and one it says, This is when God became a human being, it says. Birth and preparation of Jesus, the Son of God. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm gonna continue on to the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came from, for a witness, to bear witness of the light. All men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. That was the true light, which lightened every man that cometh into the world. And I'll continue to go forward just to get the rest of this message. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bear witness to him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And his and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For this is the law that was given by Moses, for grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared it. And basically this passage is speaking 
about Christ. It's speaking about when Christ was introduced, as it says, it became a human being. And in this time, it was like uh, this is the evidence that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing in him is eternal life. But then John also provided the unique material about Jesus' birth. He didn't come into being when he was born because he was eternal. And that's our life. And as we look at this passage and we um, actually the willingness or when we were reborn again, this is how we have to live our life. This is the the power. It says to them he gave power to become sons of God. God is many I mean Jesus is first of all first of all many brethren. But we also inherit it into that position or we inherit it into that life of Christ when we accepted Christ in our life. We have said that Christ died for our sins. He died for our life. So now we have to actually live a life where we have to die to ourselves. We have to decrease in a way where we understand that for our life we have to live for God. And when we live for God and we live for Christ, it's like they say, nothing's happening to you. We happen to life. So everything, every tragedy, everything that tries to attack you, everything that tries to stop you from believing, stop you from giving hope, everything that tries to give you another way out or another option, that's just everything that stops you from understanding who we really are who we really are in Christ. And it even spoke, the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. That's only because, that's only because there's not enough light, like in what the ages we're living in now. There's not enough believers that's moving in the light of this world. There's not enough believers that's coming together to unify as the church. There's not enough believers that's walking in the manifestation of God so that the world, I mean, it's there. The light is there. The light is seen. I'm not taking away from um, us as believers or the church. But in this time, if God is raising up the church, he's not raising up the people. He's raising up the church. And because the church is in our heart, he's raising up the heart. He says God. he judges the heart. So he's going to show us the heart of man. He's going to show us the heart of this world. And he said he already died for our sins. He already died for this darkness. He's already given us the overcoming by our faith. He's also made us more than overcome, more than conquerors. He's already blessed us in the city, blessed us in the field. He's already made us the head and not the tail. He's already made us lenders and not borrowers. He, he spoke these things to us. He brought us out of this dark into his light. So it's like how can you come clean if you never was dirty? That dirt that was on us or that darkness that was on us, we were delivered from it. We were healed from it. We were saved from it for his glory. Because you know what? The people that's looking now or the situation that brings us to surface where we now have to 
speak to those things as if they are not, or speak to those things that are not if they are so, it's only out of what you can. It's only out of what the experience we have in God. It's only out of what God is doing right now today. And if we turn as believers to live in the present and not as uh, put that fear, like we love to put fear in a place that don't exist. If we look more in the present, the present day, today, like just say, for instance, if something happened three months ago, we don't already, people just need to think about um, for believers, a lot of believers, they, they, some of them are heavy thinkers, and they'll put something into perspective before it even happens. But God said, don't think on those things. They think he gave us the things to think on, but anything that tries to bring fear, like he gives us a word so that we can be prepared for those things. But what we'll do is we'll put those things into perspective before we either seek God or after we heard from him and we didn't wait patiently and we jumped the gun and we go before him and we'll set up some unnecessary fear that don't even exist, fear in places that he didn't even say it was going to happen. We just sat there and we thought too long. And those in, in, as the, the mind is the devil's playground, he can't touch our heart. Once our heart been healed, once our heart been converted, once we receive the heart of Christ or the heart after God, what David did, David did a lot of stuff, a lot of things. But he, his heart, his heart was always in a place where he wanted what God wanted. His intentions and motives was what God wanted. He was always willing to do what God wanted. So that willingness, that speaks value. It just speaks that in this passage of John, God created everything. So everything's going to work for the good of those that love God. Everything. He said everything in the earth belongs to his people, belongs to the church. It belongs to the love that God created for men in the garden. It's like we got to get back to that place where all these little gardens, we have to tend to a garden. I don't know how to garden, but I know how to be, I have become fisher of men, but it's the same in its analogy. You have to know how to cultivate. You have to know how to be cultivated. You have to know how to um, become immersed in his word. You have to know how to be saturated. You have to know how to be fed. You have to know how to feed. You have to know how to observe. If you take the grass or the lilies of the valley, it's beautiful how they just work in the in the in the way where they their growth is automatic. You got the dirt, you got the water, you got uh, a clothes. But God saying another passage: What more could God take care of us if He clothes the grass? God also clothed us. He clothed us in the blood of Jesus. He clothed us in the willingness, that willingness and patience to inherit the promise. The promise. The promise that he gave generations and generations and years and years ago. The promise that he gave to our grandmothers. The promise that he gave to our mothers. The promise that he gave to our great great. The promise that he gave to our lineage. 
that right now today we live it. We've inherited it. We we came into it as like an inheritance. In the in the natural inheritance is something that's been left and given to you. Valuable. So we have value in our when we are willing to live the life of God. There is a promise that He has given us and to be and it's life. It's just that life and life more abundantly. And we have to continue to have this this perception. The perception and not have deception. Because once you are here of his word, you must do. You must patiently wait. You must patiently be willing to inherit it. And you can't be just a hearer of his word. You have to be doers. You have to become in a place where we want what God wants, and that's it. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, uh, as I close, uh, it's just the power, the power that God given us. So just remember from becoming unwilling, remember when you wasn't saved, remember all that time we wasted to now be willing, be saved. You're not wasting no more time. You won't procrastinate what God already spoke to us. You don't have time. You never had time. God has time. He has all the time, like they say, in the world. But that's he's the creator. But as his creation, as we bow down and we um, serve an awesome master, we serve an awesome God, we are not slaves. We are not captive anymore. So in our freedom, in the chains being broken, and those things that we've been delivered and healed from, now we have to understand that that's our life, and we must give it our life. Our life is a gift. A gift is not a gift until it's given. So as we thank God for the word, we want to thank God for you joining us today. This is Message of Christ Church. As a senior pastor, Pastor Sylvia Staples, you have tuned into. Our mega prayer, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. You have tuned into our broadcast number, which is area code 641-715-3670. Again, that area code is 641-715-3670. You can also, we invite you to join us every Monday for our Miracle Monday at 7 p.m. Every Thursday for the leadership training, that's at 7 p.m. And every Sunday at 8 a.m., all these times are Central Standard Time because we're located in Chicago. We invite you to join us on that very broadcast number. Um, Our local number, our administrative number is 773-609-2071. Again, the local administrative number is 773 Six zero nine two zero seven one. If you have need of any clarity or if you need to know anything pertaining to the ministry, we encourage you to call us. You can also leave your prayer request. Um, the only thing is that the, your request will not um, be directly returned back to you. It will just go to the prayer team, and we will stand in agreement for you. But we do encourage you to visit our website at messageofchrist.net. And there you will find a prayer wall. You can make your prayer request known on the prayer wall. You can also uh, place your testimonies and your prayer reports there as well. That's the message of Christ.
Net. And if you have not yet purchased a prayer shawl or for yourself or a loved one, we also encourage you to do that as well. Um, you can also reach out to us by way of email and message Christ at yahoo.com, as well as social media, um, Facebook. Um, just request Sylvia Staples to be your friend. Um, that's the pastor's name on Facebook. And also um, her website, SylviaStaplesMinistries.com. You can also reach out to us by way of U.S. mail. That information is Message of Christ Church, P.O. Box 390-762-60639. Again, you can reach out to us at U.S. Mail, P.O. Box 390-762-60639. Um, we encourage you to, if you ever have a heart to sow a seed, or if you ever have a heart and God is speaking to you to um, donate, or donations for the ministry or for whatever event or fellowship, uh, we ask that you uh, contact the ministry for the best method that you can choose from. But you can also uh, do U.S. mail if you prefer, or you can also call, and there are other ways to actually go into this ministry. At this time, this ends our week. This ends our day and also our week of power in the word week. I hope this was a powerful word for you as it was for myself um, as I shared a word from our ministry. Um, I want to thank God for you as we close and we fill it in prayer. Um, you guys to enjoy the rest of the day. And as we come into agreement, Father God, I just thank you right now today, Father, for the word that has been received in a good ground of the hearts of your people, Father God. Because of our liberty, Father, we are laying up for ourselves the riches and endurance forever as a good foundation for our future, Father. We will gasp that which is life, Father God. We thank you for contentment and settled in our soul, Father. This contentment leaves room in our life for you, Father God, to take us to a new level in you, Father. So we have contentment that causes mental weakness, Father, and makes our flesh die so that our spirit can yield to you, Father God. So thank you, Father, that by your spirit, Father, we know how to abound and how to abase, Father God. We are self-complacent with selfishness, Father, and as a result, our soul is untroubled about the lack of things, Father. So we have satisfaction that sharpens our discernment, Father, to have an ear to hear from you, Father God. We decree, Father God, that there are no economic situations, Father, that can bind our prosperity, Father. In Jesus' name, we flow in the anointing of the economy of God. We will be willing and obedient towards the things of the Lord, and we will eat the good of the land, Father. We declare that we are full because our spiritual stomach has not stretched by the cares of this world, Father God. We have no room in our belly to covet, Father, but we are satisfied with the life that you've given us, Father. And as we release this satisfaction throughout our generation, Father, throughout our family, throughout our city, throughout our nation, Father God, we know that our children's children will not cover the things in the riches Father God of this world, Father, but we thank you that they will live lives pleasing unto you, Father, and experience the sadness of it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we are so filled with the contentment that your joy is overflowing through our soul. This joy makes it impossible for us to cover the things of this world, and we stand on this truth in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 
God bless you, and have a great day.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.